The St. Louis Art Museum will unveil a very special exhibit on Monday. It's titled Sunken Cities, Egypt's Lost Worlds. Hundreds of pieces of statuary and artifacts from long-lost cities were discovered below the ocean's surface four miles off the coast of Egypt. The discovery is called one of the greatest finds in the history of underwater archaeology. The antiquities, dating back to centuries before the birth of Christ, include statues as tall as 16 feet, tiny coins, and jewelry as small as earrings. Archaeologist Frank Godio led the discovery expedition. I interviewed him yesterday along with Lisa Chokmok, Associate Curator of Ancient Art at the St. Louis Art Museum. I asked Godio about the discovery. It all started thanks to the archives and ancient texts. Uh, they were talking about three cities, the cities of Canopus, Tonis, and Heracleion, and those cities had never been discovered. Thus, I thought it was a nice challenge to look for them, to discover them, and excavate them. Tell me about the, the looking for them part. Uh, that must have been difficult, finding a needle in a haystack, we might say. Yeah, those cities were looked for since the 18th century, but they were looked for on land. And my theory was that if they had not been found on land, it was for the very good reason that they were not there. Mm -hmm. And most probably, they had sunk under the waters of the Mediterranean Sea. And it proved to be true. How deep deep were they underwater? Well, uh, I first defined an area which was uh, Aboukir Bay, northeast of Alexandria on the north coast of Egypt on the Mm -hmm. Mediterranean. And I defined an area of 11 square kilometers. And we scanned that area with sophisticated geophysical equipment for three years. The first site that we discovered was 1.2 kilometers away from the seashore of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And it was the city of Canopus. And then one year after, in 2000, at 7.5 kilometers from the present coast of Egypt, we pointed, we locate a very strange area with a magnetic signal. We started to excavate there, and we found a city. And that city, we could identify it very fast as the city of Heracleion. And excavating that city of Heracleion, we found an inscribed message from the past telling us you are in the city of Tunis. Mm. We had found the three cities by finding two of them. <laughs> what, what were they doing underwater? Those cities had been struck by a natural disaster, earthquake, which triggered tidal wave, which triggered a phenomena of land liquefaction. And they sank in a fraction of a second under the sea. Mm-hmm. Give me some sense of your excitement when you found... The first, the, the first of the three. Well, it was very strange. We were excavating on some magnetic signal, and I was wondering, could it be uh, something modern, modern wreck or something? And then I hit something very hard under the sediment, 2.5 meters under the sediment, but the visibility was very, very poor. And I started to clean what looks like a very shapeless rock, and inside there was something harder. So I cleaned it, and it was a block of red granite. <laughs> and there was an inscription on it in hieroglyph, live 
forever. Thus, I took it as a good omen. <laughs> I would think so. Lisa, we'll get back to the, the discovery in a moment, but uh, I'm interested in how important this is for the museum to, uh, to have it now. Well, it's, it's remarkably important because, first of all, we, the, the St. Louis Art Museum is, is long overdue for a show focusing, focusing on antiquities. But to be able to host a show that is grounded in real-time scholarship with material from an, an active archaeological excavation is is really something I, I I never would have expected we would have been able to host. What sort of arrangements do you have to make with the government of Egypt, for instance, to be able to acquire these things, even on a lending basis? Fortunately, um, Frank and his team take care of Take, have taken care of that. But yes, every single object in the show is owned by the government of Egypt. And so they have to negotiate the loan of 293 objects. Um, and as you can imagine, it's a very complicated, very expensive, very arduous process. Frank, how long did it take? It took three years to put uh, that exhibition together. And uh, most of the artifacts which are shown there in this exhibition have been found by the team. Thus, of course, for the Egyptian, it made sense that we could borrow them to create an exhibition, an international tour. Uh, some of them have been chosen also in Cairo Museum and are national treasures. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I had to explain thoroughly why I wanted to borrow those treasures, uh, which for some of them are going out of Egypt for the first time. And that took three years to do, to do all of that. It did. Too. What period of time are we talking about uh, in which these artifacts were, were uh, ab ab above ground, if you will, yes. before, the cities, before the cities were destroyed? Those cities, we have uh, evidence that they existed in the 8th century BC. The city of Tonis Erakeion disappeared in the 2nd century BC. And the city of Canopus disappeared after in the 8th century AD. So it covered a wide period of uh, Yes, it does cover the period of the last pharaoh uh, original of Egypt, then all the period of uh, the Greek in Egypt being pharaoh, called the Ptolemaic period, and for Canopus, part of the Roman time. What, uh, what's the most important part of the find? Is there a most important artifact or statue or something that is more valuable or meaningful than others? Yes. Uh, when the visitor will enter into St. Louis Art Museum, they will be facing three colossal statues that we have discovered just in front of the main temple of the city of Herakeion. And one of those statues is the biggest statue of God ever discovered in Egypt. He is a god of the flood of the Nile, oh. the god of prosperity and abundance. He is weighing 10 tons, and it is made of red granite. How do you, uh, how do you mark on, and date these artifacts? We talk about uh, eight, eight uh, centuries B.C. H how do you know it's eight centuries and not three? What is fabulous in those cities is that we are discovering texts 
inscribed texts on stones, which are telling you the story of the city, when uh, such temple has been founded, at what date, by which pharaoh. Thus we have all the record, the historical records that we are discovering. And furthermore, we have also ancient texts which are talking about those cities. What is beautiful is that I knew a lot of the city before even discovering it because the father of history, Herodotus, has been and came to Egypt in the 5th century BC. And he is describing the city of Herakeion. And he is saying that in the main temple of that city, the temple that we have discovered, Queen Helena and King Menelaos came there upon the return of the Troya War. That's why in great sights. What, what uh, else did these findings tell you about the cities that you didn't know? We were expecting to find very strange artifacts because there was a text which is written on the steel, which is in Cairo Museum, saying that in that city were performed very strange and secret ceremony to the god Osiris. And as a matter of fact, we found artifacts which had never been found in Egypt before, telling us the secret of what was called the mysteries of Osiris, which has, had been the most secret ritual ever in the world. Some of the uh, the pieces, and I'll, I'll turn to you, Lisa, for this, um, were exceedingly small. I saw earrings. You know, I mean, <laughs> we, we all know how big or small earrings can be. Uh, tell me about the, the, these artifacts that are going to be on display, the range of them, for instance, from earrings to To colossal statuary. sculptures. Yeah, right. it's, I mean, that's one of the things that makes this show so rich and so exciting is that there really is a little bit of everything. There are earrings and coins um, that were in all likelihood votive dedications. There are bronze statuettes of fairly small size, also probably dedications made by regular people. But then there are also larger monumental pieces of sculpture, dedications made by the elite, the pharaohs. So you really get kind of a a, a wider cross-section of the population, which I think is really exciting. Getting those things to the museum has to be an ordeal. One, It's one thing to get permission to <laughs> do so, and then doing it has got to be – how do you do that? How do you well, protect them? It it takes a village. Uh-huh. Um, we have an extremely hardworking, capable staff of um, registrars and art handlers, and we – we did have to bring in some outside contractors to help us with some of the heavier pieces, but everything gets packed into a crate, wrapped up, placed into a crate. The crates get shipped, um, but it is a it is a gargantuan effort to to get all of these things in place. How, how long are you going to have them there? So that's the other really remarkable thing about this show is our normal run is 11 to 12 weeks. We're going to be hosting Sunken Cities for six months. So we'll be, we open on March 25th and we close on September 9th. Plenty of, plenty of time for all of us to, to get out there Absolutely. and see it. Frank, back to you with regard to the technology that, uh, that you use to find these, uh, these things. 
Um, could you have done it without today's modern technology? Could you have done it uh, in a scuba outfit, for instance? Very good question. I was in 1983 in Egypt when I was considering to look for those cities. And I understood that most probably they were not on land, they were under the sea. And at that time, there was no technology in order to which I could use to locate those cities. Thus, um, we developed with the French Commissary of Atomic Energy a kind of a geophysics equipment, which are nuclear resonance magnetometer, one of its kind in the world, extremely sensitive. And then after it has been used by uh, French and uh, U.S. Navy, and uh, uh, they gave me the right to use it in civilian field, in underwater archaeology. And uh, when I tested that in the Philippines with the National Museum in the Philippines in the 90s, and it was very, very successful, I thought, here, I got the technology which could enable me to find those cities. And I have asked in 1992 the permit to the Egyptian authority to apply those technologies at sea in Abukir Bay. I got it, and we discovered the two cities. I would imagine there'll be a lot more discoveries. An awful lot of things, material, has to be underwater, I would think. Not sunken ships, obviously, but other things, such as the type that you're talking about. Yes, there is many, many things under the sea. To give you an idea, the city of Tunis, Erakeon, that we have discovered, miles away from the coast of Egypt, is four times the size of the city of Pompeii. And the mm. city of Pompeii is under excavation since the 18th century. Thus, we have for hundreds of years of work ahead of us. And, uh, another point, uh, Tony Serakion was a big port of entry to Egypt. In the ports, uh, sunken port of Serakion, we found up to now 75 antique shipwrecks. Wow. It takes a year to excavate one. Thus, we have quite a lot of work ahead. You're going to be looking for the lost uh, city of Atlantis, the well, lost uh, island of Atlantis? Uh, for Atlantis, I'm not totally convinced, and, uh, <laughs> and the record are not precise enough in order that we <laughs> could look for it. Uh, I, I am quite happy with Canopus and Tony Serraclio. <laughs> are you going back to, uh, to continue looking at this uh, most recent site? Yeah, with my team, we are going back uh, to uh, the sites, on May 8th for 60 days, and uh, as uh, every year, and we will resume the excavations there. And be after that, what do you think is your most important target for exploration? Well, after that, uh, as I say to St. Louis Art Museum, I have a few hundred of years of work ahead of me. Then after two or three hundred years, uh, we have to look for another target. <laughs> You're going to give them the, the okay, Lisa? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we'll host another show. <laughs> I have a question here with regard to the text that uh, Frank has mentioned. Um, are any of those on display with uh, this current exhibit? Absolutely. Um, in, the, in the very first gallery, there is sort of one of the key objects from the show. It's a stele, which is an inscribed slab that has beautiful, beautifully preserved inscriptions. I mean, I think people will almost not believe that that object was discovered underwater. And it's it includes everything that Frank says. It has the pharaoh who 
stated the decree so we can date it very precisely to 380 BC. It talks about taxes and customs duties, and it talks about where that decree needs to be erected in the city of Thonis. Um, and it was, I mean, Frank can fill in the details, but from what I understand, it was it was deliberately taken down and placed face down. It was covered with clay and linen and deposited face down to preserve it. And Frank and his team found it. And you really, you've got to see it to believe it when you think about how long it was under underwater and under sediment. Uh, what is very strange with that exhibit is that it's, uh, we are not inventing an, a story and illustrating a story by taking piece in various museums. All the objects which are in the exhibition were one close to the other in the antiquity. We found them on site and they are explaining each other. They are part of the same story. You just have to look at them and they will tell you the story of the sunken city and the, uh, the rituals which were held in that uh, city. And look at them we will, Frank. Thank you so much for making it available to us. And Lisa, thank you and the museum for also making it available. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you.